Amen. You may be seated. You can turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. <clears throat> and i like to just give honor to Bishop Myers. And he'll be um, preaching in this morning's service because pastor's in Honduras. So they've asked me to teach the adult class. So give honor to the great Bible teacher probably of all times. Amen. Bishop Myers. Amen. So we'll just share the Word of God this morning, and the Word is always good. Amen? Hallelujah. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16, and we're going to look at this few portions of Scriptures here. I think it was a couple weeks ago, I can't remember now exactly, two or three weeks ago that I taught um, why they were out of town, Bishop was out of town, I was talking about having a true heart, and the topic basically is talking about bewaring of hypocrisy. I'm continuing on with that message this morning. In Hebrews chapter 10 is what I read also using this as a key verse of scriptures. It says, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts. Now, this is all pretty elementary and you won't get anything deep from me. Amen. But it's a reminder, alright, of what we need to understand. That God desires to write His laws in our hearts. The Old Testament was going through emotions, a series of rituals, if you will. And God even instituted all those things. But He said you became so ritual in that aspect, He says it became almost as a stench, He said, into His nostrils. Ever had smoke in your nose? It's pretty painful, isn't it? (laughs) And that's kind of how the Lord uh, describes just going through the motions is to Him. It's, It's a ritual. And He does not want rituals. He says, but in that day, in this covenant, in the covenant, the New Testament, the new covenant, He said, I'm going to write my laws in their hearts. Hallelujah. And He says, and in their minds will I write them. Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Aren't you thankful for that? You know that when you're baptized and your sins are remitted, that means that they're done away with, that they're forgotten. Think about it. He says he throws them in the sea of forgetfulness. Now we still remember, don't we? We still want to remember and sometimes we still repent and start feeling sorry for things because we get condemned to things that we've done Way back there before Christ. But it's almost as if God was saying, would be saying to us, I don't even know what you're talking about. When you bring sins to Him that are under the blood, He doesn't even remember them. We can't really comprehend that, right? But isn't that neat how if God would just say, what are you talking about? I don't even remember. Oh yeah, you reminded me of that. You know, I, I don't even remember those things. I've forgotten about them. But he says, their sins and their iniquities while I remember no more. Thank you, Jesus. We have this great, great remission of sin that he has given to us. Verse 18. Now, whereas their remission of sin is, there is no more offering for sin. Okay? Plain and simple, right? We don't have to offer sins. That's why we don't bring a lamb to church with us. Every Sunday to offer it, right? For the remission of our sins. Why? Because Jesus Christ was 
the Lamb of God, which took away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. Amen. And so he remitted our sins. We don't bring that offering for sin anymore. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I didn't bring my uh, diagram of the uh, tabernacle with me this morning, but you know that there was a veil there right before the holiest of holies and and the high priest would go in and he would sprinkle the blood from the sacrifice. When he first entered into the, into the tabernacle, he would offer the sacrifice. He'd take the blood in, sprinkle it upon the mercy seat for the remission of sins for the people of the children of Israel. But Jesus' blood is what has been sprinkled now upon the mercy seat. That's why it said when Jesus said it is finished, what happened? The Bible says the veil in the temple was split in two. This veil that only the high priest could go behind. This veil that went into the holiest of holies where the presence of God was. Now, Jesus has split that curtain in two, signifying that we can all now see into the presence of God. It's an amazing thing. You know, we we realize it, but... It's a powerful thing that we can now come. And he says here, um, he says, do it with boldness. Verse 19, brethren, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest, that's into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest, which is Christ, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true. Everybody say true. So, <clears throat> we have to come before him with a true heart. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Conscience is our moral awareness, right? It's what our, uh, kind of our antenna is for moral things. And, and that conscience and we are living in a day and age which if you're not careful, you've got to keep asking God to help you. But the Bible talks about the consciences of people being seared. It's becoming hardened. And their conscience, they don't have a conscience anymore. Amen? But we have to keep that conscience, uh, moral awareness, sensitive uh, to the Holy Spirit in our lives. And our body washed with Pure water. Amen. So, <clears throat> this of course is in reference to the Old Te- Test- Testament tabernacle and coming into the presence of God. Hallelujah. What a privilege we have to be able to come boldly into the privilege, into the presence of God. And, but we, and sometimes we don't appreciate it, right? And that's kind of what the whole topic is, is, is being aware. Don't just come in Half-heartedly, you know, don't just come in without reverence. You know, we've even lost a little bit of reverence for the house of God from what it used to be. You know, people reverence the sanctuary, this part right here, you know. They used to reverence it more. Now, kind of get away from that. But we need to, we need to get back and to remind ourselves that this is where the presence of God dwells and this is where God does His work. And we call this the altar of the church and this is where we bring our petitions to God and we find forgiveness of our sins it's a powerful thing amen and not that this building or this altar or this 
wood or carpet is anything special. And I've said this many times. We could sell this building and move into a different one and they could put some kind of a museum here and it would change the whole aspect. We are the ones that bring the presence of God in. But still at the same time, there is a reverence for the house of God that we need to appreciate what we have. Hebrews 4.16 reminds us again to let us therefore come boldly. Hallelujah. Let's come with boldness and confidence under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Amen. So this way that's been provided for this, this, this entrance into God, and I talked about this a lot the last time I did, but the thing about it is when we fail God, what happens? We get full of fear. We get embarrassed within ourselves. We get aggravated. And so what do we do? We, we tend to not come into the presence of God. And that's exactly the opposite of what we need to. He says, come with boldness, with confidence. You can do that if you come with a true heart. Amen. And he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. It doesn't give you a license to sin. But if we sin, we have the advocate under the Father, our Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. This is Father's Day. Amen. Aren't you thankful for a Heavenly Father? Amen. We have that advocate, the man, Christ Jesus, which was the sacrifice for our sins. Hallelujah. So we can come with boldness to find mercy. And you don't have to fear God. You don't have to hide from God. God is beckoning us to come closer to Him. You make a mistake, you get up, you wipe yourself off, and you keep going. Amen. You got to keep getting back up, coming to the, to the, to the Lord with, with confidence that you're going to find mercy and grace. But you have to have, and you have to come to, with a true heart. And that means that you're honest. True means this. It's the stipulation that's required. It means to be real. To be genuine, to be authentic, sincere, not deceitful. Amen? Because it's silly to come to God and try to be deceitful, right? It's silly because God knows everything. Amen? But yet we do do that sometimes. We do that if we're not careful. So that's why we have to be um, real. We have to have a true heart. And it means to be aware. That moral awareness keeps coming back. When we come into God, come to God, you got to be true. Open yourself up. Because the Old Testament was just a series of rituals going through the motions. And they, in the Old Testament, they followed the letter of the law. They were very religious people, right? They... Those Pharisees and scribes, man, they had a system down and they they were religious. But you know, religion is something that you could religiously get up at 6 a.m. and go to the gym every Monday morning. You know, you can make a religion out of anything, right? Religion is not what God's looking for. He doesn't want us to be religious. He wants us to be true in heart. Hallelujah. And that's when we become Christians. Amen. So we got to be careful of just going through the motions of religion. Amen. The motions of religion. If we're not careful, we can come, we can do that. 
And we oftentimes, on, in worshiping, we, we say, let's come into the house with an expectation. Amen? And have you ever noticed that when there's, it can even be sometimes one person that really needs God, that really needs a touch from God, that sometimes a one individual can change the atmosphere of the service. Why? Because they're coming with an expectation. When we come into the presence of God, that's what we have to do. We have to come with an expectation of His mercy and His grace and that He's going to do something, not just that, you know, He can heal our bodies, yes, and we need to come expecting that too. And we, He can answer our needs, yes, He can do that. He's, that's what He's there for. And He does all those things. He's our everything, amen? But the greatest thing that God desires to do for us is to reach into our heart and to help and to, show, and, to, and to mold and to help to make us what He desires for us to be. Amen. He can only do that if we'll allow Him. He stands at the door, right? He stands and knocks. But we have to what? We have to open the door and let Him in. Amen. Let's look at Luke chapter number 12 and verse number 1. <clears throat> Luke 12... Starting with verse 1. It says, In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, he says, Beware. Everybody say, Beware. That means pay attention, right? He's got this big multitude, and he's going to talk to them about this hypocrisy thing. But he want, he tells his disciples first, it says. First of all, he turns to his disciples and says, pay attention. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. All right? So leaven defined is literally, in its literal sense, is bread was made to rise by using a piece of sourdough from a previous batch of bread. All right, so you take a sourdough from a previous batch of bread and you put it in the new dough, which in turn brought about a fermentation to the whole bread and when it caused the bread to rise. All right, that's what it literally is when you're talking about leaven. <clears throat> but figuratively speaking, the significant thing about leaven was its power to affect whatever it was placed in. Could be good or evil, but this power that he uses it to illustrate things wasn't always just evil, but it was what was concealed within, alright, which was working within on the inside, hallelujah, and that's what he says, beware of the leaven, that which is on the inside, which is hypocrisy. So our warning signal, be wearing of what is on the inside. Amen? What is on the inside of us. Because <clears throat> just like the working of, hypoc- of the, the um, leaven on the inside is just how hypocrisy works too. Just a little bit can have great effects. But actually Jesus uses in Luke chapter 13 verse 20 and 21... He talks about the kingdom of heaven. 
is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid just three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. And he's illustrating again the power of just a little bit of leaven. Amen? And so we need to understand how powerful the Word of God is. How the powerful um, the kingdom of God is. Just a little bit can change you. Hebrews chapter 12, or 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow. It's getting on the inside. The word of God wants to get on the inside. Amen. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the, of the heart. Amen. So the word of God is a discerner. If you just let it on the inside, it will discern, it will judge your heart. But you got to let it in there. All right? And people don't want to hear the Word of God anymore. Okay? They close their ears to it. They only want to hear what they want to hear. That's why you could find a church that will preach whatever you want to hear and preach. Amen? They'll find a way just to give you a sermonette to make you feel good and send you on your way and... You'll have a positive uh, talk to you and you'll just feel good. Amen. But the word, the true word is a discerner. It judges the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Hallelujah. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him to whom we have to do. Okay. We have to answer to God. Everything is open to him. There is nothing that is close to Him. Amen? And He wants you to know that His Word is so powerful, it can get in there and do the work. Amen? So people that come into the house of God and hear the Word of God this morning, their lives really, they may only come one time and never come back, but their lives will never be the same. If they heard anything of the Word, if it found a lodging place there... And pastor has made mention of this, and my wife has run into a few people also here recently about backsliders, you know, that have said, oh, you know, um, I used to be Pentecostal, and, and we're hearing a lot of that, you know, because once the Word is in you, hallelujah, you cannot get away from it. <laughs> Amen. It's there. Finds that lodging place in there. If you'll cultivate it, it can do a mighty thing. In your life. But we have to be able to beware. Allow it in. That little bit of the word of God. Can go a long way. But it will judge our hearts. And it will judge our thoughts and intents. Amen. So we have to beware in Matthew uh, 5 verse 16 through 24. He says this. He says let your lights uh, show so shine before men. That they may. See your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. You've got to remember here Jesus was. He's walking in their day and age. And they've got this tradition, this ritual that they're going through. The motions that they're going through from the Old Testament. And Jesus kind of comes in and disrupts the apple cart, if you will. He just kind of throws all of their theology to the side. And he says, because really inside is what it's all about. 
Alright. He said, but I didn't come to destroy it. He didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the, the law. He was the Lamb of God, which took away the sins of the world. He says in verse 18, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall know in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. He's saying it's all going to be fulfilled. The law's there and it's going to be fulfilled. You can count on it. <clears throat> Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commandments and shall teach men to do so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So here he's saying your righteousness, your your deeds, what you do, your actions, all right, has to exceed the righteousness of these scribes and the Pharisees, which are just going through the motions. Now, these were the religious people of the day, right? These were the people of the day that um, <clears throat> thought that they had all the laws and all the the signs and the ceremonies down pat. And Jesus said, you know what? Your heart's are like dead men's bones. Inside you're just full of dead men's bones. And this we was preaching to them a lot about this in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, talks about the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is, brings a lot of this out in this part. In Matthew 5, he talks about the Beatitudes, or what we call the Beatitudes. In verse 5, chapter 5, verse 6, he said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen? So they have this righteousness that we have to exceed that of the Pharisees, them just going through the motions. He was telling them, you know, you really don't hunger and thirst after righteousness. There's not a desire in your heart. You're just coming to church. You're just going through the motions. And he says, you've got to have that hunger and thirst because if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be fulfilled. Ephesians chapter 6, when they're talking about the armor of God, the breastplate was what? The breastplate of righteousness. That uh, breastplate protects the heart. Amen? Protects the heart. So our righteousness <clears throat> has to exceed that of the Pharisees. Has to ex- He's saying beware now. Remember, we have to put ourselves in this, in their position. You know, these guys were supposed to be the religious ones of the time. They were supposed to have it all. And, and he's telling his disciples, you gotta beware of these guys and their righteousness because it's false. It's phony. It's just an outward appearance. He says, you gotta have the right heart. <clears throat> he goes on to tell them, in verse 21 of Matthew 5, You have heard that it has been said of old time, Now shall not kill. Whosoever that shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, Whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause <clears throat> shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, which means worthless, <clears throat> You ever called anybody worthless? <coughs> I hope not. 
you're in danger of the council, but whosoever say thy fool, which means dull or stupid, is in the danger of hell fire. Amen. So he's saying, you say if you kill somebody, you're in danger of judgment. He's saying, but I'm saying unto you, it's what's in your heart. What do you say even about your brother? He says this in verse 23. He says, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. So he's saying you're coming to the altar, you're bringing your gift or you're bringing, you're coming with your petitions and you're bringing your gift to the altar, but you, if you have aught or your brother has aught against thee, wait, reconcile with your brother and with your sister. See, what that does, it brings something into our heart. It's not just bringing something to God and saying, here's my gift, here's my worship, here's my offering. It's saying, I'm cleaning up my heart. It's cleaning up what's on the inside. Verse 27, you have heard <clears throat> that it has been said of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already where? In the heart. Amen. So it's all about the heart. Matthew five forty three through 44. You have heard it said, thou shalt love thy neighbor, hate thy enemy. <clears throat> But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Amen. So Jesus' doctrine is all about the heart. He's saying, love your enemies, even love those that hate you, love those that despitefully use you. That's not easy to do, is it? I don't know if I've ever quite accomplished all of that, but it's something that we work on. When people attack us, when people come against us, it's our human nature to put up that wall, right? But Jesus says, let your heart have forgiveness. And why can we do that? It's because that he has forgiven us. We always have to come back to that reminder, judge not, <clears throat> least you be judged. Amen? So Jesus' doctrine was all about the heart. He said, have a true heart. You've got to have a true heart. His mercy is great, and His grace, it's free, but it's going to cost you everything. Think about it. It's, it's there, it's, it's free, but it's going to cost you everything. The, the cross of Christ was an emblem of suffering and shame. They stripped Him. They beat him, they hung him out there naked for all to see. It was, a, it was an emblem of, of suffering and shame. And he says, you got to pick up your cross if you want to follow after me. And that just simply means you got to be open in front of all people. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. <clears throat> Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. First Corinthians chapter five, verse number six. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? 
Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, there it is again, he's our Passover lamb, that sacrifice, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. But let's keep the feast with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. That's what you have to keep, the feast of Passover the remembering of what, how God has brought you for, from. Remembering it with sincerity and truth. And sincerity simply means free from pretense or deceit. We've got to be careful that we don't have pretense in our heart. Amen? Because when you think about hypocrisy, it's twofold. One, it's pretending <clears throat> to be what we're not. And the other one is hiding Something that we are. Say that once again. Sometimes we're pretending to be what we're not. That's hypocrisy. The other times we're hiding what we really are. Amen. And both of those need to come to light when we come into the presence of God. Amen. Luke chapter 12 verse 1 through 3. It says, when they were gathered together. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Verse 2, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, over whatsoever you do, you have spoken in darkness, shall be heard in the light. And that which you have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. So what's Jesus just simply trying to say here is there's no secrets. Amen. You may get by with it. People may think that you're something that you're not. Or you may be hiding something that you really are. And you may think that you're getting by with it. But one day, there's going to be a judgment. There's no secrets. And everything is going to be brought to light. He goes on to say in verse 4 and 5, he says, I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them which kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you should fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath the power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Amen. So when in our hypocrisy, if we think about it, what we're trying to do is we're trying to impress somebody. Right? We're trying to sway the opinions of someone. But God's saying really all you need to do is understand that I'm the one that has all power doesn't matter what anybody else really thinks about you. Anybody else really says. Amen. What the bottom line is at the end is what does God say about us? To say, well done. Hallelujah. Like good and faithful servant. <clears throat> so we have to remember, we, we have to be careful not to play the part of the hypocrite. And the hypocrite came from the Greek word, which means acting on stage, pretense, or playing the part. Amen. I saw this thing... Um, I read this article about facing the music. You know, you ever heard that expression? You got to face the music. That means you got to come face to face with an unpleasant or a difficult situation. When you face the music, you got to kind of grit your teeth. Amen. You've got to kind of just face it head on, whatever it is. But it came, according to this article, it came from the old time soldier who was being dismissed. From the army. 
for either being a deserter or a slacker. I like that. Just being a slacker. Amen. You know any slackers? Don't point at anybody. <clears throat> Don't be a slacker. Amen. But the, in the old time in the army, if you were a deserter or a slacker and they got caught, they were made to walk slowly between the ranks of former comrades with drums and other, other instruments marking the time of this march that this individual had to, had to take. That was what they called facing the music. Amen. It was coming in this situation that it offered no choice. They weren't going to get to be reinstated, but nevertheless, it meant heading something unpleasant head on. And that kind of stuck with us to this day when we say you got to face the music. That means you got to own up to it. You got to do something that's unpleasant. Amen. And so we have to face the music when it comes to our own walk with God. It's not easy to do, to be honest with yourself. That's the greatest thing that we can do in our own walk with the Lord is to be honest with ourselves and allow God to speak to our hearts. In Matthew chapter 5 there in the same Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, in verse 8 it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Amen? <clears throat> so the pure in heart is what you get from God, hallelujah, <clears throat> when you come to God with a true heart. If you want to see God, you've got to have a pure heart. And a pure heart is cleansed. It's clean. It's something that's been cleaned up. But you can only get that from God. We can't even do it ourselves. But you can get it from God if you come to Him with a true heart. Which is just being open. With no hypocrisy. Amen? So if you want to see God, you have to have a clean heart. We've got to get this heart cleaned up. But the only way that we can do that is when we come into the presence of God, we come with a true heart. We do that. We say, God, I need you. I'm nothing without you. You know my situation. You know my problems. You know my faults, my failures. This is my, we come to him with a true heart. He, in turn, can give us a pure heart. Amen. Cleanse us. First John chapter number 1, verse 5 <clears throat> This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Amen. Light and dark. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son, cleanses us. Hallelujah. It makes that pure heart. It cleanses us. Hallelujah. If we have fellowship with Him, if we walk in the light. So what, that, what does that mean, walking in the light? And walking in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is allowing God to shine in our hearts and let the Word of God be that discerner of the thoughts and the intents of, the, of, the, of our heart. That's walking in the light. Otherwise, you become hypocritical. You're just going through the motions. You want to live your life. You just come to church maybe and do your own little thing, but you want to live your own little life. 
But when we allow God, He is the light of the world. Hallelujah. And in Him is no darkness. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Wow. That's self-deception. When you deceive yourself, if you ever thought about that, how do you deceive yourself? That's really wild if you're deceiving yourself, right? You're lying to yourself. You're not coming to the truth. You're not facing the music. You're not opening up that heart and allowing God to speak into your heart. That's what happens when we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. <clears throat> Verse number 9, but if we confess our sins, hallelujah, when we confess our sins, that's coming to the light. We confess our sins. We're allowing the word to do the work in our lives. We're opening up to God. When we confess our sins, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we come into him with truth, that confession of our sins, and he is faithful. He's just that's why it put, that puts it in there. And I use this at the altar a lot with people. You know, if you confess your sins, God forgives you. Because people live under the, the, the spirit of condemnation. They think that there's no hope and there's no help. And that God doesn't love them anymore. But if we confess, if we come with a true heart, God doesn't turn anybody away. Hallelujah. He is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. Hallelujah. That's the pureness, the pure heart. He cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness. Matthew 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within you're full of extortion and excess. He says, hypocrites, you're just cleaning the outside. But inside, you're just full of mess. Amen? He uses all different kinds of illustrations for it. Whited sepulchers, dead men's bones, all these different adjectives he uses to describe it. But he's saying, <clears throat> you got to clean up the inside. And when you clean up the inside, the outside will just take care of itself. 26, thou blind Pharisees. Cleanse first that which is on the inside of the cup and platter and the outside of them may be clean also. Calls them blind. They can't see. They can't understand. When we don't come to God with a true heart, we're just blinded. We deceive in ourselves. We're really not seeing. We have to, to beware. We have to come to an awareness. Beware. Hallelujah. Come to the awareness of what God is trying to do in our hearts and that we need God and that we are nothing with Him. Amen. And that's why in Matthew 5.16 it says, Let your light, then when that happens, when we have the light of the glorious gospel in us, when we're pure on the inside and have the light, then our light can shine before men. That they may see your good works or your righteousness. So it's not wrong to do righteous things. But when we just do righteous things to bring attention to ourselves, that's when it becomes hypocritical. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
Hallelujah. We can't just allow ourselves to go through the motions of being religious. Amen? You've got to clean up the inside. And that's when you come to the Lord with a true heart. So, what's the solution for us? What do we need to do? What do we need to ask ourselves? Well, we have to ask ourselves some questions this morning. In our approach to God, face the music, in other words. We need to face the music. Are you pretending to be something that you're not? Think about it. Are you playing the hypocrite? The hypocrite is just that stage actor up on on stage that was playing somebody else. And we use it to now to illustrate the person that is trying to be somebody that they are not. Amen? Or maybe that you're hiding something that you are. You have to ask those yourselves those two questions. Am I pretending to be something that I'm not, not or am I hiding something, amen, that I really am? And I think we all, it's a natural tendency to do those things at times in our lives. But that's the thing about coming to God. You have to come to Him with a true heart. Say, Lord, help me. I'm not, I don't know where I'm at. I need to, I need to know. I need to let the Word of God be the discerner, the thoughts and the intents of my heart. I want the light to shine in my heart so that I can see. I need you to take the blinders off. I want to be true. I want to go to heaven. Amen. I want to be pure. And I want to be able to be, hear you say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. So we have this battle. We have this uh, thing that we're constantly battling against. And that's this old flesh that tries to be something that we're not. Amen. Or hiding something that we really are. But let's just be reminded that there's nothing hid that's not going to be revealed. Amen. Usually, you know how the old saying that goes, you know, it's going to come around. Eventually, it's going to make itself known. Well, that's all, almost always happens even in the natural. The real person eventually shows up or shines through. Amen. Even in the natural. But surely, it is going to happen when we get to heaven. On that day of judgment, there's nothing hid. There's nothing going to be hid on that day. Everything is going to be revealed. Amen. So the best thing that we can do is to reveal it within ourselves to the Lord. And you say, well, that sounds silly, but that's what being deceived is. He says, you deceive yourselves. You're hiding it from yourselves. What? That doesn't make any sense. We've got to get it out in the open and allow God to do the work on it. We can come to that altar and to realize it's God that we need to fear. Nothing else. Amen? We need to fear God. His opinion of us. Hallelujah. We don't need to impress individuals. Try to be something that we're not. We just need to ask God to help us. Help us to be real. I can remember it's been several years ago, but I was asking the Lord to help me to be transparent. And he was showing me things in my life that I really didn't like. You know what I'm saying? It's so it's, it's, if you pray the prayer, he's going to reveal things to you. If you seek him, hallelujah. If you desire righteousness, you're going to be fulfilled. Hallelujah. You're going to be filled. Amen. And remember, as we're closing in Psalms chapter 19, 
verse 12. It says, who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins, which is proud, arrogant, which is tied into with hypocrisy. Just being proud. You've got to help ask God to cleanse us from secret faults even. Things that we're really not aware of. That's what coming to Him with a true heart is. God, do your work. He wants to cut open that heart. He wants to do the surgery on that heart. Open us up. Help us to understand, you know, where we are in our life with Him. Amen? Keep us from those proud sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, or I shall be righteous. And I shall be innocent from the great transgressions. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. So I ask you today, as you go to prayer this week to the Lord, as you come into his presence, ask him, am I pretending to be something that I'm not? Or am I hiding something that I really am? Come to God this week with those prayer thoughts in your mind and ask God to do a work in your heart. Amen? We all want to grow closer to the Lord, don't we? Praise God. Let's all stand and we'll be dismissed and won't be dismissed, but we'll have a word of prayer and then we'll enter into our morning worship. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We know, God, that you desire to do a work in us. Help us, God, to come to you with a true and honest heart. We are nothing without you, Jesus. We need you to work in our lives, you to speak to our hearts, you to to move like only you can move. We come as weakened vessels, O God, into your presence and say, God, do your work in our lives and we'll give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. Amen. And let the church say amen. Amen. Amen.